Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers won a game over the weekend that they would not have won before the trades that happened at the trade deadline. Yeah, a lot of people are going to take that as a shot at Russell Westbrook, but I look at it I look at it a lot more as the strengths of the players that they brought in meshing a lot more with the identity that the Lakers probably want to build off of anyway. Unfortunately, uh, this game didn't feature its two biggest stars. Steph Curry is is still nursing that knee injury that is going to hold him out weeks. Uh, LeBron is nursing a foot injury that, according to Chris Haynes, might impact the rest of his season. Would have liked to know that before the trade deadline. Uh, but anyway... The Lakers, uh, you know, and the Golden State Warriors both playing shorthanded. Um, one side of it, you know, is the Lakers are trying to uh, work everybody into the rotation and, and figure out which combinations make the most sense. Now, with a pretty much overhauled roster, the Golden State Warriors, uh, they are still waiting for Gary Payton the second. Entirely weird situation going on there, where according to some reports, uh, the Portland Trailblazers knew about an injury being bad, didn't disclose it, traded him anyway. And uh, now this has been refuted by his agent, but apparently Gary Payton uh, II has been playing through injuries that he probably shouldn't have been playing through, and he's been given Toradol to mask that pain um, and, and ha- has gotten pressure to go out. There. Now, again, his agent said that that hasn't been the case. So somebody is lying. Either the agent is working with the Blazers to while uh, GP2 might have to go back there if this trade is rescinded, or uh, there's a bad report out there that uh, was run with, and that will take some some you know ironing out. Whatever different team that I don't cover, but it's just an entirely weird situation. Um, that really affects the division because Golden State, like GP2, fits really well with what they need to do. He's a defensive point guard um, who helped them win a championship already. They were essentially turning James Wiseman, a player who was never going to play much for them. I'm not positive he's going to play much in his NBA career. Um, they turned that into... Uh, uh, a wrote a championship rotation player and that would really help their roster. So we really have to kind of monitor and keep an eye on how that all kind of plays out as that is in the Lakers division. That's a team that the Lakers are trying to catch. Uh, the Lakers are, are sitting at 26 and 31 golden state is sitting at 28 and 28. I would imagine golden state is going to continue to slip with uh Steph out. So yeah, we'll see how that kind of goes, but the Lakers, they do pick up a win. Um, in Golden State, without LeBron James, they beat the Warriors 109 to 103 uh, Saturday night, and yeah, that's an absolutely critical win that you're able to pick up on a night that LeBron doesn't play. And um, I, I thought that, in their own ways, we saw a lot of why each of these players was somebody that the Lakers prioritized, and why I think the Lakers are a much better roster than they were uh, before. The, the trade deadline. Uh, so let, let's get into it player by player. So look, um, there's no way, and I, I don't want to spend a bunch of time here from here on out talking about Russell Westbrook. That chapter is over. We should all kind of turn the page and move on. But I thought that game was, you know, a pretty clear indication of 
why I think this team makes a lot more sense than uh, it did when when Russ was there, especially a game where where LeBron isn't out. I thought um, there was a lot more diversity in in attack. Uh, you you had a primary creator in Dennis Schroeder, but you had a secondary creator in uh, D'Angelo Russell who was allowed to do some some actual creation. Sometimes when Russ was out there, I thought uh, the ball was in his hands a little too often as, um, you know, it was in his hands obviously too often when he's out there by himself. But, some, you know, even more damaging were the times that he had the ball in his hands a bunch and LeBron was out there. And I think that really kind of does the defense's jobs for them. This game, obviously, we don't get to see the differences in approach with LeBron not being available. But I thought down the stretch of the game, the Lakers' offense looked to have a little bit more punch because you didn't necessarily know where the punch was going to come from. And now look, they scored 109 points. It wasn't like they they you know were scoring at will. Uh, Malik Beasley struggled to shoot um, and all of that. But I thought uh, just in terms of like cohesiveness and and a willingness to kind of work together and figure out that game, I thought that made a lot more sense or the Lakers made a lot more sense. And, and yeah, like it, it sucks, but uh, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they turned Russell Westbrook into three, you know, viable NBA rotation players. It's not even necessarily about Russ in particular. It's that you spread out that talent. You spread out the allocation of resources on your cap books um, and, and, and you, you, you provide more punch than Russ was providing by himself. Let's then start with his primary replacement, right? Um, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, now, Russell, I, I thought, was okay. You know, it was a pretty run-of-the-mill game for him. But that's the kind of thing that you can you can have is a run-of-the-mill game from D'Angelo Russell. He goes 6 of 12 from the field. That's about what you can kind of hope for, one of three point three from three-point range. I'd like to see him shoot a few more of those. Um, 15 points, 6 assists, 5 boards. Um, only the one turnover, and he finishes tied for a game-high plus 12 on the night in on, on a night that the Lakers won by 6. And that's always kind of what I tell you guys I look for in plus-minus is does that number outstrip the final result, right? So if you win by six and you have a plus 12 on that night, you probably had a pretty good game, right? Uh, Rui Hachimura also tied with Russell for a plus 12. He had, I thought, a pretty good game. So uh, Russell, I thought, and I think, is going to fit absolutely perfect as the secondary creator next to LeBron. Um, I don't think that Dennis Ruder should start. I think he's going to because um, Darvin Ham can't help himself. But I would personally start... Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, uh, LeBron and, and Vanderbilt, and then uh, uh, Anthony Davis. Like that's the that's the group. I think that'll wind up being their best lineup here for the remainder of the season, just because I think those pieces fit the best. But um, yeah, I thought you know when you have D'Angelo Russell have kind of a average game, you know, and, and you don't it doesn't take everybody playing their absolute best for the Lakers to go out and win when you're deeper, right? Schroeder played great, uh, 26 points, uh, the, the three assists, and, and um, you know, only the one turnover. Oh, sorry, D'Angelo Russell had three turnovers. Uh, Schroeder was the one who had the one turnover. Um, I, I, I just think, 
you know that that pairing makes some sense too. I think that's going to be their starting lineup from from here on out. It because again, Ham can't help himself. I think it's going to be Schroeder, Russell, LeBron, either Rui or uh, or Vanderbilt and AD. I, my prediction would probably Rui starts there. Um, I I don't like that lineup much because Rui doesn't really space the floor. AD doesn't space the floor. Schroeder doesn't space the floor, and D'Angelo Russell kind of does, but not as much as you would like to see from like Malik Beasley. And and we're going to talk about Beasley here in a second. But I thought I, I thought Russell played fine, and um, I think is going to make a lot of sense here moving forward. The next one here was uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who uh, you know Jeff Van Gundy was raving about with with his energy and, and the type of winning plays that he was making and the kind of hustle plays that he was making. Uh, Lakers fans really liked him. I think there's already kind of a call for him to start, uh, given what we kind of saw from him. He that's what he is though. Like if you've liked watching Winyan Gabriel this year, Jared Vanderbilt is like the evolved Pokemon of Wenyan Gabriel. He's he's just super energetic, super long, really athletic, um, and and you know, just kind of runs out there like on, on infinite turbo. And and I think that's the kind of energy that the Lakers really need, especially in that starting lineup, which is going to play really slow. Like I can understand if they start Rui because he fits more into like kind of the the walk it up kind of approach that they're probably going to have in that starting group. But I personally would probably start Vanderbilt just to offer, you know, some easy baskets. He does get out there in transition. He has his hands everywhere on defense. He is this chaotic presence, this tornado that, it, you know, you can have as your fifth best starter, basically. And and I think that is an energy that the Lakers would really benefit from in that starting group. But anyway, he... Uh, he was good, and I think he's going to continue to be good. And I think um, of the guys, of everybody that, that the Lakers traded for, it wouldn't surprise me if Vanderbilt winds up being everybody's favorite. And then uh, another part of the rotation that made its uh, his debut was uh, Malik Beasley. Now, Beasley shot poorly, right? He went 0 of 6 from three-point range. You're not going to have very many nights like that from him. Uh, but even while he was shooting that poorly, the defense cared when he had the ball on the perimeter. You had a lot of hard closeouts at him. You had help side or you help side defenders who were kind of reluctant to move completely off of Malik um, in ways that they haven't been reluctant with basically everybody else who has played for the Lakers this year. And that's really going to matter. I think that's a presence that the Lakers would really benefit from with the starting group where. LeBron will have a few more driving lanes and he'll be able to take a couple plays off here and there while Malik Beasley runs off of screens. So uh, I I personally would start Malik. Um, I know he shot poorly and I think, and, and I know everybody's kind of freaking out because it's like, this is an absolutely elite shooter who shows up to the Lakers and immediately <laughs> forgets how to shoot three pointers. That's like everybody's uh, running joke here. I would call it a bit, but every, the Lakers are so committed to it that I just think it's reality now. Uh, but but yeah, I I think Malik should start. I think he should be a really big part of their approach offensively. And on nights that he doesn't have it, if he's starting, then you can just kind of move off of him. Uh, on nights that he does have it, you really kind of ride him. The nice thing about depth is you have options. And I think uh, Darvin Ham to this point in the season hasn't had 
options and uh, offering him some some you know some wiggle room with guys who may or may not have it on any given night um, or you know with depending on the matchup. Darwin can do more actual coaching, whereas I think a lot of times he and, and Frank Vogel the last couple of seasons have done a lot more coping. So yeah, I I'm I Malik is going to be a big part of this team, and and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see if he can turn around that that tough shooting debut. And beyond that, you know, Mo Bamba is still suspended for the fight that he had with Austin Rivers. Um, and then we didn't see De- uh, Devon Reed. He's going to be the 14th man on the roster, 15th, depending on what the buyout market looks like. Um, so that was that kind of rounded out the new additions to the rotation. And a big win on a night, by the way, that AD didn't even play that well. 13 points. Um, he did have 16 boards. He had three blocks, two huge ones down the stretch of the game. So again, like I've talked a lot over the last few years, uh, the last couple of years especially, about how little margin for error the Lakers have uh, because of how bad the roster has been, in large part because of the you know forty-five and forty-seven million dollar contracts that that Russell Westbrook had, and uh, I think right now, you know, you can have kind of an off night from AD, and you can have kind of a mediocre night from uh, D'Angelo Russell. And there are enough players around your rotation who can help, right? Schroeder can go for 26. Rui Hachimura can go for 16. Um, Troy Brown Jr. was was kind of off too. He started and sco- only scored five points. The Lakers are going to be able to, to press a bunch of buttons now. And I, I really honestly can't wait to see what it all looks like if we ever get to see it all together. Please, everybody get healthy. Please, just once. Go a month of just being healthy. One time. All right, uh, that was it for the the and, and normally I you know you guys know I don't really focus on games uh, single games as uh, you know very often in these spots but you know the nice thing about with the roster being remade is we really start to focus more about basketball. I was in a uh, like a thirty tweet exchange Sunday Super Bowl Sunday talking about rotations like we haven't had we haven't been able to do that in like two years because the entirety of the last two seasons have been spent arguing about how to fix the roster and whether the Lakers will fix the roster. So it's great now that with with this roster looking the way that it does, and I do think there might be another addition coming. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's great to see this team in a place where the focus can finally be the basketball. And I think it's a, it's a really interesting team. It's a fascinating season. It's a wide open season, even with Kevin Durant in the Western Conference. Uh, I I really think that uh, you know getting to focus on the basketball is is going to be a a really refreshing change in in tone and tune that we haven't been able to enjoy as much over the last couple of seasons. So yeah, that that's the one game there, and we'll be talking more about the game specifically over the course of of the season. But like I said, there are buyouts to talk about. So kind of a surprise, kind of not necessarily a surprise. Uh, after Terrence Ross was picked up, I thought for sure we would we would hear that you know the Lakers were pursuing him hard because they have been pursuing him for multiple trade deadlines now in a row. Um, it appears that he's going to be heading to Phoenix instead, which kind of makes sense. The Lakers have a bunch of shooting guards, and Terrence, Terrence Ross at this stage of his career is trying to extend that career. So he's going to have more of an opportunity in Phoenix. 
and and I I can understand why he would go there. Same goes for Danny Green, right? Where uh, Danny Green gets bought out, I believe, by the Houston Rockets, wherever he got traded to. Uh, they are gonna you know they're gonna buy him out or waive him or whatever, and he is going to, uh, according to reports, go to Cleveland. Now he tweeted out that that decision isn't finalized yet, so we'll see what that looks like. Um, I would personally be thrilled if Danny Green came back to the Lakers. He's a it's still one of the best shooters in the history of the sport. And uh, while he's recovering from his injury, uh, I, I, you know, if he has anything at all left in the tank, that's a presence on the wing that the Lakers could really use and also a presence in the locker room that the Lakers could really use. So uh, I, as of now, it looks like he's heading to Cleveland. But if that decision changes at all, uh, I would be thrilled if he decided to go to the Lakers. Now, um, a couple things to consider as, as it pertains to that decision, right, is he... Uh, didn't end things, you know, great with the fan base because he missed that one shot in the finals. You had death threats and stuff like that. Just so, just fans being idiots. Um, really, really a bummer that that was the response, especially given that they won the championship that year. But uh, if he decides not to go to the Lakers, I kind of wonder if that is going to be weighing heavily on his mind. And as of uh, whenever I'm recording this, it's 2.30 my time on Sunday afternoon. Um, As of right now, it looks like Stanley Johnson is also going to be available uh, as he was waived by the San Antonio Spurs. Now, uh, this is where it gets kind of tricky. I was of the notion that he could be picked up by the Lakers because he was traded and then he was waived by Utah and then he was signed by San Antonio and uh, was since waived by San Antonio, and because he was waived by two different teams, that the Lakers would be able to sign him now. Um, that said, I am nowhere near the the CBA expert that uh, Eric Pincus is, and Eric Pincus is of the mind that Stanley Johnson can't be signed by the Lakers because uh, it, it didn't matter if he was waived by two different teams. He needed to be traded again in order for the Lakers to have a shot at him after he was waived by the second team that traded for him. So um, I'm sure the Lakers are going to check in on whether they can bring him in. Um, again, you know, it, with with players on the buyout market, they're going to be looking for the situation that offers them the most opportunity. And on one hand, I could say he would be one of like <laughs> two uh, natural small forwards on the, on the Lakers roster, I think. And... That would give him some opportunity. Uh, he would be the best defensive wing that the Lakers have, uh, and and you know that would grant him some opportunity here with a team that is going to be going to be vying for the playoffs. But also, there are probably other situations out there. I know Phoenix probably comes to mind. Um, other situations out there where he might get a greater opportunity than he might with a you know pretty packed rotation as we see it here with the Lakers. So um, I would be thrilled if the Lakers somehow had a chance at both Danny Green and Stanley Johnson. They would probably have to waive uh, Devon Reed in order to, to do that. But hey, I can hope, right? Um, we'll see what, what that looks like. And, and if the Lakers do wind up getting one and or both of those guys or anybody else, you guys know that I'm going to hop right back on here 
and explain um, what that means there for the Lakers moving forward. So yeah, that's the buyout market as we know it right now. It does usually take a week or so to, to really kind of play out as all of these players uh, assess their situations and their options. The buyout market in recent years hasn't been as fruitful as uh, it may have been in the past because a lot more players have wised up to the idea that once you are seen as a minimum player having been bought out, you are just kind of a minimum player from there on out. So, uh, yeah, it, we'll, we'll see a lot of agents tell their guys, don't get bought out, don't push for a buyout. Um, it, you, you generally find guys who are at the end of their careers having made all of their money already looking for that kind of a situation. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. But, uh, the Lakers do have a, a roster spot to use and how they choose to do so if they choose to use so. Rob Palenka said that there was no guarantee they were going to use it. I understand both sides of that. You know, there is the tax implications if you sign somebody else and the Lakers clearly care about that kind of thing. And then also, like, once you use that roster spot, it, you then have to, you, you and, and the opportunity presents itself to use it on somebody else. You then have to get creative to find a way to, to use that roster spot. And and if tax implications matter with this first player, then they probably don't want to go and wave another player who is on their books and have a bunch of dead cap money as you figure out essentially your 14th or 15th guy. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. All right. Loaded show. Loaded weekend. Hope everybody is, is, is doing good. By the time you guys are listening to this, nursing your Super Bowl hangover. Um, for those of you who took the, this Monday off, shouts to you guys for being able to do so. Um, that is going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Like I said, if there's any kind of emergency or breaking news, I will be able to jump on that as we learn more about LeBron's foot injury as well. You know, that's always going to matter. Um, but for now, and until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.